Hi, this is Brad Redderson, and welcome to Stranova, a bi-weekly audio business program exploring the intersection of cutting-edge business strategy and the innovations that can ignite business growth. As an entrepreneur with over 30 years experience leading high-tech organizations, I've constantly sought out new ideas that could take business to an entirely new level of performance. For Stranova, I've invited some of the most innovative business leaders out there and asked them to share their ideas with you. So sit back, listen, and consider what some of these new thoughts might mean to your business as we begin this week's episode of Stranova. As many of you remember, at least from your high school years, back around 1200 BC, according to Homer's epic poem, The Odyssey, a man named Odysseus went off on an amazing journey, leaving his son Telemachus and wife Penelope to fend for themselves. Well, not exactly by themselves. As many of us do now when we head out of town and business for an extended period of time, Odysseus asked a good friend of his to look in on his son and maybe help provide some guidance to him from time to time. That friend's name, believe it or not, was Mentor. Since Odysseus's time, we've come a long way in the professional coaching business, but the common thread in all of it is that, when historians and biographers assess what it takes to become successful in any walk of life, every list they make includes the importance of having a strong mentor to listen and to advise as one makes their way upwards in their careers. For those that haven't experienced this firsthand and don't know Telemachus well enough to decide whether or not he benefited well enough by mentor's in-person guidance, consider a few success stories that my guess is you do know a lot better. Did you know, for example, that the wildly successful Virgin Airways founder Richard Branson received critical mentoring early in his career from Freddie Laker, who back in 1977 started the whole low-cost air carrier thing for Britain with the launching of what he called SkyTrain, a jet service offering transport between the UK and the US for only 118 pounds British sterling. Lance Armstrong, the cycling great who only recently completed his seventh consecutive win of the Tour de France, was guided in his quest to compete by Eddie Merckx, who not only won the Tour de France five times, but also won 250 of the 650 races he competed in from 1969 to 1973. And in yet another field, the actor Heath Ledger, nominated for the Oscar for Best Actor in 2005's Brokeback Mountain, received important mentoring by actor Mel Gibson. In this week's episode of Stranova, we're going to explore a unique business, Mentium, founded in 1991 to help your company develop its key rising executives using the concept of mentoring, but with two twists. The first twist is that Mentium's Mentium 100 and Virtual 100 programs focus 100% on women as mentees, in the hopes that these programs will provide the added edge they need to move into the most senior of executive ranks. The second twist is that all the mentoring is done across company lines, meaning that the mentor and mentees actually work in different companies. To tell us about how this innovative program works, our guest this week is Lynn Sontag, President and CEO of Mentium Corporation. Mentium itself was founded in 1991. Ms. Sontag joined them in 1996 and for seven years was the chief architect of Mentium's mentoring models. In 2002, she assumed ownership of the company and leads the organization today with business partner Kimberly Vappi, COO. 
In recognition of their innovative stewardship of this important enterprise, in 2004, Ms. Sontag and Ms. Vappi received the Business Journal's prestigious Women Changemakers Award. We are honored to have Ms. Sontag as our guest this week. Well, Lynn, thanks for joining us this week on Stranova. Well, thank you, Brad. I'm very excited to participate with you on this. Lynn, in my introduction, as you know, I talked a little bit about the Mentium concept of cross-company mentoring, but only at a high level. Can you describe to us how Mentium works with the companies, those being mentored, and the mentors themselves? Sure. You know, cross-company mentoring is brilliant because this single process creates essential change at multitude of levels. In our cross-company program, we match high-potential women with senior executives both male and female, through a formalized mentoring process. And this process includes extensive interviews with both mentees and mentors, as well as a multifaceted match process. The mentees are smart, capable individuals who can benefit from the experience of a mentor. However, they must be entering the mentoring relationship with a commitment to their own growth and development, and they must come prepared with their goals and objectives for the mentoring partnership. And once a relationship has been established, the mentees find their mentor becomes a critical link in their development. And because mentoring is something that occurs over time, mentees are able to tap into their mentor for real life, just-in-time development. You know, for example, a mentee may run into roadblocks with a project she is working on, and by accessing her mentor, she can identify new approaches to solve and prevent problems. And over time, the learnings harvested in this one circumstance become lifelong lessons that get applied elsewhere in the workplace. Mentees develop a repository of knowledge and experience which helps them navigate their environment more effectively. Now, everyone eventually gains this knowledge and experience as they progress in their careers, but a mentor helps to accelerate the speed in which the learnings are gained and enhances the learning so mentees make fewer mistakes. When mentees do commit errors, or have challenges, they learn infinitely more from their failures with an aid of a mentor who can help them reflect on what went wrong and how not to repeat the same mistakes again. On the other hand, our mentors have reached the top of their game in many respects. They have navigated complex organizations, managed politics, and have managed and mastered many disciplines, including leadership. But for most mentors, they've had their share of bumps and bruises along the way, and their careers weren't perfect. Sometimes they took detours or ended up on the wrong path. They are wise individuals who are able to reflect on their own paths in order to help a mentee navigate the terrain ahead. But the best mentors help mentees accomplish this without being directive. Instead, they ask really good questions and help mentees reach their own conclusions. So mentoring is a reciprocal process that mentees learn from the experience of another, but mentors also learn from this process as well. Following up on that, obviously a key difference between the way your approach works and others, as you pointed out, is that this is a cross-company mentoring program rather than just internal to the company, where, for example, you might be mentored by somebody who is maybe parallel to you and a little bit up the hierarchy, not necessarily in your chain of command. I see some positives and negatives in that. What do you see as some of the positives and negatives of being across company lines when you're doing mentoring? You know, both are absolutely necessary as organizations think about their overall human capital strategy 
and the role that mentoring plays. The goals and expected outcomes from a mentoring program really drive the approach that makes the most sense. In many cases, it's a combination of both internal and external mentoring. But when you compare cross-company mentoring with internal mentoring, they both accelerate leadership learning, expand perspectives, sharpen diversity perspectives, expand views of business realities, and facilitate knowledge transfer. Cross-company, on the other hand, provides a broader diversity of thought improves in external professional networks, whereas internal mentoring improves cross-functional collaboration, broadens industry knowledge, and helps indoctrinate employees to better understand the culture they are working in. So clearly there are some advantages and disadvantages, as you pointed out, but one of the other clear advantages of the cross-company program is the value of that outside perspective. As best-selling author and strategist Gary Hamill said, if a company wants to see the future, 80% of what it will have to learn will come from the outside its industry. Also, you can do a lot of just internal churning when you just look at yourself. One of the other big strengths your company has been justly praised for is the ability to match prospective mentees with highly effective mentors that are, for a variety of reasons, best suited to assist them. Now, that's tricky for a lot of reasons, including that there's personality as well as skill playing into this, as well as that what may seem like the initial reason a mentee goes into the program may, in fact, change over time. So how do you go about the matching process? This is one of those mysteries of life that you may not want to tell us all about, but I'm curious about how you go about it. Well, our matching process is half science and half art. And it is something that takes a lot of time. For starters, an effective match is highly influenced by the interview process. The information that you gather about each mentee and mentor is critical for our matching teams. One of the most important philosophies we live by is that mentoring is mentee-driven. And this means that we match based on the mentee's learning objectives. We identify what they are looking for from a mentor. For example, a mentee might be seeking a mentor in the pharmaceutical industry, who has experience with working his way up the organization, who has entrepreneurial experience perhaps by opening a new division or product line, who has international experience or has worked with a global team, and who also has young children. From this information, we search for a fitting mentor. One additional best practice that we follow is that we always recruit additional mentors into our mentor pool so that if we have to match 100 mentees, we'll recruit 150 mentors. This allows us to make the best matches possible without force-fitting any two individuals together. And that's the science part. The art part comes in when you combine our talented group of matchers together. They are able to look at the mentees' requirements and share what they know about each of our mentors. The key is that they look at this for each individual. This is not a mass production process. It is a product that is essentially assembled by hand. Another challenging issue, I'm sure, is that often, even though, as you say, the mentors may see themselves as at the top of their game, and definitely the mentee is on the way up, is that neither of them are really necessarily formally trained in mentoring. We are trained in a lot of other things, but not necessarily in that one. How do you go about developing both parties to make sure that the relationship works as effectively as possible? You know, this is true, but everyone has usually had some prior exposure to mentoring, whether it's been something that they've just heard of or something that they've participated in. Sometimes these experiences have been positive and sometimes negative, or they may have been excluded from informal mentoring that naturally occurs in organizations. Because everyone comes to the table with these diverse experiences, we spend a lot of time at the beginning stages of the process 
to educate and get participants grounded in what they are about to embark upon. This education actually starts when we interview people before they have been matched. In the interview process, we ask a lot of questions that start preparing them to think about their mentoring relationship. And once the pairs have been matched, we conduct orientation, which is designed to get the partnerships off to a strong start. Partnerships learn the basics of formal mentoring, they set ground rules, and they get exposure to tools and concepts that will help them as they progress in the mentoring partnership. We spend a good deal of time checking in with the partnerships as well. Mentoring skills are learned over time and partnerships can get off track. This is usually unintentional, but we help pairs course correct. We also spend time helping partnerships ensure that they are on course. Have they accomplished the objectives that they set at the beginning of the process? Have they set new goals? Are they building trust and sharing feedback along the way? All of these are critical questions for the success of the partnerships. Now, that actually does get to a next question, which is, to me, an intriguing part of your own business model, and that is that the actual formal mentoring is done effectively by, you can call them what you will, but effectively volunteers who come from the companies that are contracting you to help mentor their own women leaders. And in your virtual 100 program, they aren't even necessarily in companies that are contracting with you at all. They may just simply be volunteers from the outside. So my guess is that you run into some skeptics who say they don't understand why they're paying you to run the service if they're also providing mentors and GM providing labor on both sides. Yes, you may match them as mentors for other company mentees in the network. Does that question indeed come up? And if so, how do you help them understand all that Mentium really is doing behind the scenes? Because I know what's going on. Well, great question, Brad. The question comes up occasionally, but gets answered pretty quickly by the mentors themselves. You know, as I mentioned earlier, mentors benefit immensely from this experience. I haven't walked away from one mentoring program where the mentors haven't said, I've learned as much or more than my mentee in this process. They get fresh perspectives, increase their own skills, and expand their own views of the business environment. Most often, mentors thank us for allowing them to participate in the program. They articulate how much they've learned during this process. And some even suggest that, like the mentees, they should be paying for the opportunity, which is truly a leadership development opportunity. Well, it is a key part of what I know many of us in business think of as what makes you a successful leader. I, in fact, when I interview people, I often look for whether or not they have taught at some time, even going all the way back to graduate school, because the teaching process, although certainly different than mentoring per se, does involve having to really dig deep to understand what it takes to communicate and to develop the people in your group, students or otherwise. So from a mentoring standpoint, this is a tremendous opportunity for the mentors, and sometimes I think they probably don't know that as much until they've actually gone through it, like you said. Now, while we're talking about the mentoring, the ones we've talked about so far obviously cover all the different things you do, and I know that Mentium was started with the idea of being face-to-face -face mentoring, where you would perhaps alternate what site you were meeting people at, but it's definitely within a community area, such as the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, Dallas, and others. And I do want to actually get back to what cities you do operate in. But in addition to that, you have launched in the last few years a new virtual mentoring program where the mentors and mentees are holding most of their mentoring sessions, if not all, virtually, and may, in fact, never even meet each other during their mentoring year. How does that program work? What challenges do you think a purely virtual mentoring relationship has over an in-person one? And how do your mentor-mentee teams deal with those challenges? 
You know, the virtual program is remarkably similar to our cross-company program. You know, we follow the same interview and match processes, and the mentees and mentors receive the same tools, orientation, and support from Mentium. The major difference of our virtual mentoring partnerships is that they are not geographically located together, as you've said. There have been skeptics who advanced concerns about whether two people could form a meaningful relationship being so far apart. But the biggest challenges really occur with cultural differences come into play or when time zones interfere with meetings. For example, a mentee in Beijing, China, and a mentor in Atlanta, Georgia may have a hard time meeting. We try to mitigate some of these difficulties in the matching process. Many of our mentors in the virtual program have already had international work experience or they have managed virtual teams. We also screen to ensure that they have the necessary cultural competence to work effectively in the partnerships. And if peers follow the fundamental principles of mentoring, setting clear expectations, and keeping their commitments, the partnerships flourish regardless of time or place. In actuality, many of our virtual partnerships really do prepare ahead of time and have their expectations set in a different way that they know that they need to be planful about their partnership, which sometimes it's harder for a partnership who are just floors apart or just a couple blocks apart to find the time to meet. But somehow people understand that they've got to make the time to meet when they're geographically challenged, so to speak. Well, in your programs, the current face-to-face cross-company mentoring programs are in just a few metropolitan areas in the United States right now. Can you name off where the regions are in the U.S. where you're focused? Yes, we are in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Dallas, Texas, Chicago, Illinois, and Detroit, Michigan. And the virtual mentoring program, of course, covers the United States, but I also understand that you are really working to develop a mentoring program international as well, using perhaps the virtual approach as a way to do that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, we are actually in 21 countries with our virtual program. We originally thought that we were going to make this a national approach, but the global clients that we have really were interested in providing this opportunity across the globe, as said. So it's been an interesting experience to cross 21 countries with this process. What kind of challenges do you have on the international front when you do this versus the U.S. front? Mostly what I've already indicated, Brad, that the time zones is the biggest challenge, and then certainly cultural differences come into play. But we try to take into consideration, again, what is the mentee looking for in a mentoring partnership? And so we really look at what it is that a mentee is looking for in a mentor, and many times it doesn't matter where that person is located as long as they have the experience and the background to meet that mentee's needs. Are the international programs basically serving all sorts of companies, or is it mainly companies that might be connected with, I guess, shall we say, Western employers? It would be the latter. They're mostly connected with Western employers who have arms outside the U.S., but there are a few companies that are participating directly from other countries, and we hope to expand there in the next three to five years. Well, since we do have an international audience, I know I'll come back to this later, but after we get towards the end of this interview and Lynn has provided some information on how to contact Mentium, please do consider as you're listening to this, writing down that information and being able to contact Mentium about potentially getting your company involved in this. Now, another of the questions that I had, and one of the more obvious ones perhaps, which I intentionally left towards the end, 
is that there is a question in many people's mind when they look at this as to why it is that Mentium chose to mentor only women rather than arranging for a program that would mentor both men and women, especially since you have an even larger potential market if you were to work with both sexes in the workplace. Why was that choice made? I know you weren't around at the early days of this, but uh, I'm curious about your perspective on, on how that choice came about. Well, first I'll just start by busting the myth that we only mentor women. That's true with our cross-company program, but there are two parts to our business. One is the cross-company side that targets high-potential women, but the other part of our business is the consulting practice where we work with organizations to launch internal mentoring programs. And in these programs, both male and females are mentored. But that being said, we have intentionally chosen to focus on women in our cross-company program. When the organization was founded 15 years ago, there was a clear gap in the progress that women were making in the workplace. There has been some progress over those years, but the gap still exists. For instance, 15.7% of corporate officers in the Fortune 500 are women, and women hold only 13.6% of board seats in the Fortune 500. While these statistics are encouraging, we have also to keep in mind that close to 50% of the available workforce is comprised of women. So we feel like there's plenty of work to do in helping women achieve higher levels within their organization. But I would also remind you that mentoring is reciprocal, and the mentors, male and female, in our cross-company program learn a lot. The bottom line is that we're helping both men and women. They are just at different levels in the organization. Certainly, there have been a number of inroads in many, many different ways, obviously, in business to find ways to even the balance, to say it one way, and yet we still have a lot of work to do in order to be able to make a difference there. So I appreciate what Mentium is doing with its virtual 100 program as well as the Mentium 100 programs, and it is a good point to reemphasize that in addition to these programs, which are the ones that many people know about Mentium that in addition it does have an extensive capability of consulting with corporations to help them develop their own mentoring programs. The next question I had actually, Lynn, comes to you. I'm interested in you being able to tell a little bit to the community here about your own background and how you have become readied, if you like, for what you're doing now. Well, it's been a long process <laughs> to become readied, but I've been fortunate to have many mentors in my career, kind of a board of directors, if you will, over the arc of my career that have helped me along the way, starting in my days when I worked with the executive development at 3M Company and had so many of the folks, executives, informally mentor me along with their spouses, interestingly enough, because I worked with a program at 3M called the Director's Roundtables, and that was a two-year learning experience for high-potential directors that included a learning track for their spouses as well, and I worked with both the executive directors and their spouses in this program, and so many of them were mentors to me along the way. When I moved on with Mentium, interestingly, I had three mentors who kind of stuck with me and helped me through some of the challenges that when moving over to Mentium from a company of 80,000 people at 3M down to 15 people when the company was in its early starting stages and had a number of mentors that helped me through that process of moving from a large fortune-ranked organization to a, a very small startup. And over the 10 years that I've been at Mentium, I've had a multitude or worn a multitude of hats 
that have had me working with both sides of our practice, so the consulting practice as well as our Mentium 100 program, both from a development standpoint as well as a facilitation standpoint. So when Kim and I bought the business three years ago, I had full knowledge of the organization. I had worked in just about every corner of the business and had a passion for the work. And I think that's probably the most critical point of my career is that I, through the 20 years plus of experience that I've had, I have had a passion for the work that I do and have been fortunate to have others around me that have been passionate about the work that's getting done as well. And I think this has been truly an interesting and wonderful career for me. It certainly has been a successful one so far. And I'm curious now, what do you see as next for Mentium from a strategic perspective? Well, we like to listen closely to our clients and stay attuned to the challenges that they are encountering. I would say that the big three challenges right now are attracting and retaining people of color. These individuals are getting disenfranchised with their opportunities that are available to them within their corporations and they aren't staying. This is and will continue to be costly for organizations. Um, as a diverse employee base is truly a requirement to remain competitive in today's business economy. And research indicates that undetected stereotypes and biases still perpetuate barriers to advancement. Companies are looking to us to enhance their strategies by incorporating mentoring as a tool for exposure and development in this area. Another issue is that is starting to perplex organizations is the generational issue. Every day, 10,000 people turn 55, and the U.S. is expected to experience some severe labor and talent shortages over the next 15 years. I believe we will be involved in more internal mentoring initiatives as organizations attempt to close the gap on the knowledge management piece. And then the third thing would be international. While I think a number of organizations, especially U.S.-based organizations, have attempted international global reach, this is something that we wanted to do in an intentional way for the future, and it will certainly help with all of the other challenges that have been mentioned today. Well, sounds like a lot of fun over the next couple of years, certainly a lot of very important things. And I also think our listeners conceivably can help a little bit by offering to be a part of this in their own way. How can people learn about Mentium, either to sign up as a company, as perhaps a prospective mentor in your Virtual 100 program, or even as a mentee interested in being part of the virtual program? People can learn about Mentium a couple easy ways. Go to our website, which is www.mentium.com for general information, or they can call us at 1-800-863-5127 and we'll direct their question to the appropriate person, depending on their interests. Or they can email us with questions at contactus at mentium.com. That address is also listed in our website. And also mention for the audience as well here that we have on our resources page a place where you can just click on that, and it'll open up your mail program and allow you to mail them directly at exactly that email address. So that's already set up. Well, Lynn, well, thanks very much for joining us this time on Sternova. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Brad. I really thank you for the opportunity, and I hope the audience enjoyed it and learned a little bit, too. After hearing this week's interview, my guess is that many of you can recall stories of your own where a critical mentor helped guide you through a tough crisis, either personal or professional, and you know your life was forever changed for the positive because of this involvement. For me, there have been several key individuals who guided me at critical times, and it was a combination of their unique perspective, wisdom, and patience that made all the difference for me. 
As just one example, back in high school, although I was a pretty good student in most things, my history teacher at the time, John Richards, realized that I was going to fail the history course I was currently taking unless something changed in me. Rather than start lecturing me, or even worse, assuming I was hopeless, he started with the assumption that I was quite capable of doing well, and instead of saying, what's wrong, he asked me what it was that I liked and didn't like in history classes. I told him I was bored with just remembering dates and events, and far more interested in the why of how many strategic decisions of history were made, as well as what might have happened if different paths had been chosen. Hearing that, he told me to set aside the last homework assignment I'd been given, along with the rest of the class, and asked me to write a paper about, I believe, something about why some of the old wars of the ancient Greek and Roman periods were planned the way they were, and how more thorough strategic work might have changed the course of their histories forever. Well, his guidance certainly changed mine, and I've been working on strategic innovation, just like some of those you hear about in these podcasts ever since. So as we close this episode of Sternova, I encourage all of you to think about how important key mentors have been in your own lives, and maybe think about giving Mentium Corporation a call to see if its programs and mentoring might just be the right thing for your company or you personally to consider. It might just change your history as well. That's my reflection for this week, and thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about any of the topics in this week's show, please visit our website at www.stranova.com. And be sure to look at the current programs and resources pages for some interesting insights on our speakers and recommended links to related reference materials. If you have any comments on our show or suggestions for people to invite for future shows, please do contact us at ideas at stranova.com or leave us a short voice message on our Stranova comment line at area code 408-849-4394 or via Skype by a click from our homepage. This recording is copyright 2006 by Brad Redderson. And this is Brad Redderson thanking you for listening and looking forward to talking with you next time on Stranova. <laughs>